You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. From the depths of pop culture rises a beast of unimaginable obsession to wreak havoc on the podcasts of man. This is the Giganticast. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's it's a it's a gigantic cast. It is, Aaron. It's, it's the best gigantic cast ever. Oh, is it the best? Why is it the best gigantic cast? Because of what we're covering. Oh, really? Oh, it's, uh, the new Blu-ray release of Gone with the Wind. Yeah, oh, I just I, I love it. I, mean, I frankly I do give a damn. I I do too. I think I may have made that joke before. Um, <laughs> that's okay. When you said Gone with the Wind, I was like, shit. Um, what's a character name? I, I don't, Darcy, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Darcy. I, I, I give a damn. I give a damn. <laughs> It's not even like <laughs> Go with the Wind is about uh, the fucking American South in the Civil I, War. I don't even know what Darcy is from, but Darcy's I know from a... uh, Mister Darcy is from a uh, it's a uh, Jane Austen thing. Yes, he's thank from you. Pride and Prejudice. It's, I thought it was Sense and Sensibility. Oh, it, fucking it does knows. Not Morgan's not here <laughs> to tell me. So, uh, but no, uh, we're doing a gigantic cast, and we're talking about. The uh new the the new Criterion release of Godzilla the Showa era films nineteen fifty four nineteen seventy five, it is Criterion's one thousandth spine. Which I uh I am a relatively large middle aged man. Uh, I squeed like a child. Nice. When I heard this was happening. I was with family and they did their Twitter announcement. Yeah. And I actually went. Ee! And jumped up and down and ran up to my wife and was like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god!" And she's Criterion's <laughs> releasing the Godzilla movies, and she's and just her like, "Exact response was okay." Don't you already own them? <laughs> yeah, yeah <but laughs> that's the exact response I think everyone's everyone's significant other had about this 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 release. But I'm your. I, I don't think it would be a gigantic cast without Matt. So it's me, Matt. But and I have. I, I am Aaron. I'm regularly over on Digital Noise being abused with by Chris, ha! watching terrible, terrible movies. Hell yeah. Um, and occasionally really good ones. Uh, and I'm a lifelong Godzilla fan. Yeah, and I remember uh, very specifically Chris, I think, reached out to me, or you both reached out to me and were like, Hey, why don't you have uh, Aaron on Giganticast? And then you were like, hey, why don't you have me on Giganticast? The the reason why is when I found out about this, the very next time I came in for a recording, after we were done, I was like, okay, Chris. So, Criterion is releasing the Godzilla box set. Uh, I will murder you if you don't put me on that. Uh, Like, (laughs) when you get that for digital noise, I'm doing that. Uh Uh-huh. I'm doing that. Yeah, and I think I like, send. Well, I tend to send Chris similar messages. Like, I, I don't know if I'll be able to, but but you want to reach out to Matt Frank and like that day, I was like, hey Matt Frank. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it it definitely worked out because um, the 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 I don't have a standard crew for the gigantic cast. The closest thing would be Quinn, Jennifer, and Morgan. Uh, none of them are available right now. Quinn is off uh, getting his master's or something Ugh, in San Marcos. Gross. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Quinn, if that's not accurate. It, 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 what you're doing is weird and scary to me. Um, it's, uh, he's How being dare a, you better yourself. He's being a good boy and he's working hard. Jen is in and out of Houston all the time and she's so busy as it is. But I'm sure we'll have her on. Uh, we'll have them both on at some point. And Morgan is like. I don't have it in me to watch all these freaking movies this month, Matt. Because uh, she's seen a few of these. But but yeah, so we, we, I lucked out that um, Aaron uh, crawled out of his sick haze to come and uh, and be on mic. So I really appreciate that, yes, sir. Uh, for all those, I apologize if you hear me coughing in the background. My son and daughter and wife have all been sick this week. And I caught it. So Ugh. I'm now sick as well. Well, don't touch me. Because <laughs> I'm going to Japan in about a week. So get away from me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, you're here. And that's what's uh, that's what's important. And uh, yeah, so let's let's talk about this bad boy. I have it right here in my hot little hands. Um, it is definitely the first thing that should be obvious about the Criterion set is that it big. <laughs> it, it's, it's a coffee table book, actually. It's Yeah. Uh, like, it, it, 
it's it it's, feels more like that than it feels like an actual Blu-ray case. Chris actually thought it was a coffee table book that came with the set when you handed it to him. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was definitely. It's a. It's unique. It is unique. It feels like a coffee table book, or maybe like an LP yeah. kind of setup, or a laser disc. Yeah, another oh, friend of mine said it was like a big laser disc set. Disc set, but it was. Um, you know, I I I think it's a unique setup. I, I know some fans are frustrated with it because. They want to have it on their shelf with all their other stuff. Uh, little uh, insider baseball. Uh, your 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 buddy Matt is uh, is making a. Uh, I've been commissioned by a, f- a friend to uh, uh, make custom Blu-ray jacket art uh, for like if you if you get yourself on eBay like a a Blu-ray multi-disc set, you can get them for like a couple oh, yeah, of bucks, like two three bucks, super inexpensive. You can probably get a a. a a, a big, um, like a like a bulk set of them for maybe twenty bucks, but uh, yeah. Um, so I'm I'm going to be doing that eventually. But there are already some people have already uh, made sets like their own. They've taken scans of the existing box set and made little Blu-ray cases for them. So you can make your own, but I mean, as it stands, it's pretty great. Well, I like it. It's gorgeous. Like mm-hmm. for all that. I, I will admit I was frustrated by the size, but mm-hmm. uh, I adore the artwork. Uh, yeah, they clearly so so for each film they got a different artist to go in and they commissioned a sort of stylistic poster and yeah, very pop art. A bunch of them are very pop art. A bunch of them are very like one's very anime for Godzilla versus Megalon, yeah. um, which I dig. Uh, the, the Godzilla versus uh, Hedora is really detailed. That one is a Jeff like, Darrow bit. It's and, the one and that I went, oh, I, I, I want a print of this to put on my wall. The, the, yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of these that are really, uh, really impressive. I mean, like I said, the Jeff Darrow uh, hetero one is really fun. Uh, I think my personal favorite is the Destroy All Monsters by my boo, Sophie Campbell. She's um, she's amazing. Some of you might know her as the, uh, she's, she's a, uh, currently, the interior artist, I believe, on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for yeah. IDW, and is it's a good book. Yes, and she's also she was the first main artist on Gem and the Holograms from IDW as well. So she's been around, uh, and she's a huge Godzilla fan. And so uh, I'm really glad that this is her first official piece of Godzilla art she's ever gotten to do, and uh, it's it's probably my favorite out of the entire set. Uh, but yeah, there's that one. Um, one thing that I will uh, I will point out because I feel like it bears mentioning is that it, it, how do I put this without sounding like a pedantic dork? Um, there's just, I'll just give it to it. You're going to it. Okay, a lot of the Godzillas they use in this set are not accurate to the films. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, well, like which sometimes you can argue it's stylization, like the Godzilla versus uh, Ghidorah. One. Oh, yeah, and that it, one. Like, it, it's so stylized that you can get away with it, but it, it clearly is. We gave an artist uh, the job to build a, a piece of artwork that's defined from this, right? Not necessarily. This is to promote this. Yeah, and and you know what? I, I totally get that. And there's still there. The majority of the art is really beautiful. I. Like the one for Ghidra is drawn by uh, Mana Robot, who I believe is a Mexican artist. So he gave it this kind of Azteki Mayan vibe to it, which is a cool idea. I'm gonna be a pedantic fuck about it though and say that like it's that. clearly based what I like that. One. I like that one a lot too, but it's clearly based on the 1991 Godzilla vs King Ghidorah poster. Which yeah, only a diehard fan would really God, notice that. Damn it, I didn't notice that until just now. <laughs> like, because you're right. I, which... and, and like the the invasion of Astro Monster poster has Fire Rodan on it. And look, okay, it's fine. It's fine. But I will say that for a Godzilla fan, especially for a diehard fan, it's sort of like I would equate it to. Say you got a Sean Connery James Bond collection, and you start going through it, and for some reason Pierce Brosnan keeps well, popping it, up. It, it's like Ready Player One when they got to Mechagodzilla, and it's like, yay, it's Mechagodzilla, but it's it's not not really. <laughs> it's I, I remember talking about that on the review we did uh, here on the on the show. I was so excited for Mechagodzilla because I'll be honest, I wasn't really digging the movie. I thought the movie was okay, but then. Um, 
when I was like, but I'm going to, what are they going to do with Mega Godzilla? And they got to it, and I immediately, like, my heart dropped because I was like, I don't recognize this version. Yeah. Like, later, I've come around on it because that version, uh, it's based on the poster version from Godzilla vs. Mega Godzilla 2, designed by um, Shinji Nishikawa and then painted by Norio Shirai. And. So, it's a unique kind of Mechagodzilla, and it is approved by Toho, but apparently, originally, Spielberg wanted the Showa original Mechagodzilla. And then, Toho was like, no, we want you to use, like, Kiryu, or the, well, the 2003 Mechagodzilla. So, the concept artist kind of came up with this mashup of different Mechagodzillas, and Toho was like, okay, go with that. So, but, yeah, it just doesn't have that impact. Either way, like, it's... It, it, we're not saying it's bad. No. Like, like, in both cases, it still works fundamentally. It's just one of those where it, it takes you a moment to go, wait, like, why? Yeah, I... We won't harp on it for too much longer, yeah. but it's... Again, a lot of this is really beautiful. Uh, Becky Cloonan's uh, Godzilla vs. Gigan is a really lovely kind of manga-inspired piece of art, which works because that film is a, about a manga artist. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like you said, the... Um, <coughs> The Megalon one by Ronald Wimberly is uh, very, like... It's got a Studio Trigger kind of vibe to it, like a Kill La Kill kind of... I dig that one. That's one that I would hang on my wall if I could. I love that Godzilla's kind of got a mushroom cloud Uh look to his head. Um, uh, Of course, they got Art Adams to do Godzilla versus... uh, King Kong versus Godzilla, which is uh, just really lovely, because he was a big inspiration for me. Um... Yes, there is a reason why I and a couple other regular Godzilla artists weren't asked, but I don't want to speak out of school. <laughs> so it's a let's just say it's not that big of a deal. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not broken up over it. I got something else coming up pretty soon. It's going to be pretty great. I can't talk about it. So, um, but outside of that, but yeah, let's let's get into the um, the other the features like these write ups by uh, Steve Rifle, who's a long time Godzilla contributor. He's got this lovely little forward in it. While Godzilla has evolved with the time, the Showa series as a whole is undeniably the foundation of this ever-growing pop culture phenomenon. I mean, all the stuff we know about Godzilla came from these films. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it is your quintessential Criterion uh, essay. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, they touch on a lot of things that you don't ever realize about. And it, it's one of those moments where I keep having to remind myself now that this is not necessarily applicable to Godzilla, but Criterion... They don't. They don't release the best movies. They release the movies that have an impact. And That's a good so, way to put it. Uh, it's always interesting when you look at their special features, their essays, any of the stuff that's on the disc itself. It's ultimately not about like, yay, this is a great movie. It's this is why this movie changed things. Of course. And, and so that's really interesting because they have a broader Showa Godzilla, um, like four page in this pop yeah. art or this giant coffee table book essay about how the show Godzilla era affected culture. Right. But then each movie has an individual write up. Right. And these are all written by, uh, Oh, I think, I think they're all written by Ed Godzicheski, which that's, a, that's his real name. He didn't change it to, to Godzicheski. That's just, which I, I have to point out. I never knew you knew all these names off the top of your head. That's slightly intimidating. <laughs> it's, I, you know what? I, when you're when you're a Matt Frank, um, you uh, you you just kind of live and breathe this stuff. And see, you have to remember these were all guys who used to write for G Fan magazine. Yeah, and I've yeah. met these guys in person, and they wrote books like Japan's Favorite Monster by Steve Rifle, or David Callet wrote a critical history and filmography of Toho's Godzilla films, which is like a bible uh, for God's. Uh, there's um, uh, I believe Steve Rifle and um, uh. Oh, I'm I'm blanking. I think Keith Aiken also. Those guys wrote the Ashiro Honda biography book that came out. Uh, I think it was last year it came out. Okay. Maybe it was earlier this year. But that's a really great book to track down. Um, so yeah, I I I know all these guys, or at least I know I know a good chunk of them. And uh, the fact that they were tapped for this this release was really showed that they knew what they were doing. Uh, and and you're right, uh, Criterion really went all out for this, or at least as all out as they could have gone, as they were able to, because I understand it, um, a few things were, unfortunately, they were not able to get a hold of, or just didn't, couldn't get 
in time for the release. Like, there's a, a bunch of these movies don't have the English version. Okay, uh, so that's something I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, like, I have very few complaints about this set. Yes, me One too. One of the few is that. Uh, there's only, like, five of them that have English translations, and one of them is not the... Um, uh, and I'm blanking on the title. The, the give me a vague description. Kid, <laughs> the one where the kid imagines. Godzilla. Oh, Godzilla's Revenge. Yeah, which is the one that is so quintessentially targeted towards children. Absolutely, all monsters also attack to give it its international who title. Can't read subtitles necessarily at the beginning, and so like my my son, he doesn't yet know how to read. He's a small child, but he adores Godzilla. I've been picking mm-hmm. and choosing the show era movies to show to him, right? And like I will admit. Very much like another thing that we're going to discuss on a future Giganticast episode. Yes. I went into this going, this is amazing. I'm going to be able to do this. I'm going to be able to show it to my son. It'll be great. Oh, never mind. Uh, Um, Yeah. Which it'll be okay once he learns how to read, but it's always nice to have that. Uh, Of course. And even then, like, sometimes it's not even a question of kids. You know, I have friends who have reading comprehension problems and they can't physically read subtitles fast enough. So... That's why I think dubs, you should always have a dub ready to go. And as I understand it, Criterion was reaching out to people to get, like, nice transfers of these dubs and everything. I actually, a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to buy a actual film reel of Terror of Mechagodzilla. It was oh. it was the Terror of Godzilla version that was the slightly edited uh, like TV version or, or American theatrical version, whichever it was. But I just didn't have the money at the time, and that was long since been sold, yeah. unfortunately. But they were reaching out to people to try to get these dubs, and it was just a combination of things where they just couldn't... They just didn't have enough time to do it. And on, on top of that... Um, Toho is also a little like, you know, no, no disrespect. They're going to manage the brand however they want to manage it. But for uh, some of the transfers are also not great. Like they're fine, but they are the transfers that Toho made back in 2008. I'll say I wasn't sure about that. Cause like anytime you talk about a movie that's at this point, 50 to 80 years old, God, how long has it been? Is it? Yeah. We're 65 yeah, years. There we go. Yeah. Um, you, you're going to get a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes either the film socket was shot on, just that's as good as it gets. Right. You know, like Evil Dead will never look better than it already has because it, it was shot on, like, I think 16 millimeter. Right. And Which you can make a really good looking 16 millimeter transfer. Yeah. You just got to put in the work. And, and so I kind of assumed that was the same case here. Not quite. Uh, they're actually Toho is actually in the process of making 4K versions of all of these releases, and they're going through and they're scanning each individual frame, which is how you make a super high end Blu-ray release. Unfortunately, uh, they took they did a process back in 2008 that I'm not fully up on exactly how it works, but I've asked some friends of mine to explain it to me, and it's basically it's called Televini or Telecine or something like that. I think Telecine. Telecine, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a process that I would compare to pan and scan, where it's just kind of a cheaper, quicker way to digitize a film and mostly clean it up. And you just don't get that real crispness though of having a proper thirty-five millimeter transfer. And as a result, you also get a lot of um video noise you get a lot of like grain grain. and it's not film grain though it's like this very fine digital video grain on it it's equivalent of um taking a photo with your phone but it's too dark so you get this real spotty grainy image and um uh and for the most part you get used to it like some of the transfers are really good in fact criterion actually so as i understand it, the reason why uh Criterion wasn't able to do, because that was their plan. They were going to go through, and they were going to personally, like, do transfers of all the films. But Toho basically was like, we don't want this version to compete with our versions in Japan. Which is a common thing for them. It's okay. I know, trust me. Yeah. This is a long-standing I, I thing. Like, I, I remember in that cropping up in the news repeatedly. I, I always have a very mixed relationship with Toho because <laughs> I, I like what they do. And about half the time they pull something like this, I go, 
you know, that makes sense. I get why they would do that. Sure. And then the other half of the time, I'm like, man, fuck you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to have to uh, buy yourself some Japanese Blu-rays, man. It'll happen. Yeah. The, um, but, but still though, I mean, the fact that the set even exists because all of these films for the longest time were all, the rights were owned by different companies. So you have Sony uh, owning X number of videos. You have uh, whoever owning these video, I mean, these app- Sony owning some, and then you have Universal. Well, Universal has always sort of had a a, a death grip Did on King Paramount Kong versus. Have some? <sighs> Paramount released a few, but I don't okay. think they did the, they had the DVD rights. <laughs> but they were all over the map. Like, for a while there, the only way to get these movies was you had a couple from Kraken releasing, you had a couple from Sony, you had a couple from Classic Media, and, uh, which, by the way, like, hang on to your Classic Media's DVDs and everything, because those are the ones that are going to have all the multiple commentary tracks and, um, English language versions as well, especially the Media Blasters releases, because those are really hard to find now because Media Blasters totally are in the doghouse with Toho. I don't know if you know that story. Uh, I, I don't. I, I know that I, I know some of it. Like I have the layman's interpretations of seeing sure, that's multiple fine. different production houses releasing videos and also you, just trying to collect them over the years. Like I realized recently I didn't actually have. Godzilla versus Mothra from the show era. Oh, really? And that shit is expensive now. The only right? way to get it outside of this current Criterion set is a classic media release, yeah. which I saw over at Waterloo once or twice. Um, but uh, the only way to get it is uh, there was a box set they put out that was just like, I think, five or six films. I remember. Yeah. And... Uh, but that was a really good release because it was a pretty, it was an okay transfer. Uh, and then it had commentary track. It had both versions of the movie, which is sl- the American version, is, of course, slightly different. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, I had all of the old ones. Um, I, I think it was Classic Media where mm-hmm. they came in cardboard and they they had the actual mm-hmm. film's original poster. Like, yes, it was like a little on the front. It, yeah, they and had so, those shiny uh, covers. Yeah, I bought all those years ago when they originally were coming out, and then when I digitized my movie collection because I'm smart, uh, I got rid of them. Oh, uh, and then that's when I realized that I had. Double, uh, double digitized Godzilla versus Mothra, the Hisei era one, mm. and so I had two copies of it on my server with different dates, and I discovered that like a year ago. I was, I was, I'm happy. Well, I mean, this is just why I try to hang on to all my physical copies of the different films because there's always going to be differences in the releases. Well, that that's the smart thing to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I've even started recollecting some of the old VHS copies, not necessarily for anything other than nostalgia and just to have them because I actually was able to find the original VHS covers because again, there was all these different companies were putting good times was putting them out or whoever, whoever, whoever were putting out these VHSs and they all have would have different covers. They have original artwork on them. You would have, um, uh, what was it? Uh, I, I had Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster and Godzilla uh, vs. the Cosmic Monster, which is the original title That's... that Mechagodzilla. Okay. Yeah. Really? And... I, I was thinking that was another Ghidorah one, but no, you're right. Okay. Uh, you might be thinking of Astro Monster. I am. That's yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, but those had these really cool, really brightly colored comic books looking covers to them. And those were so nostalgic for me. And I saw them out in the wild and I had to snap them up immediately. Um, but yeah, um, besides that, uh, I personally feel that the main reason to get this set, and I feel like it's a, it's a big point of conversation, is that this set has the Japanese version of King Kong versus Godzilla. Yes. So, I was not emotionally prepared for how different that movie was. It is hysterical. So, like, I, I don't actually like the American cut. Uh, it's kind of boring. It is super boring. Yeah. There's like half an hour of a random guy reading news <laughs> footage to or Godzilla news at you. Has a brain well, about this size. Well, there's a still image on a TV in the background. Like, that's it. And uh, the Japanese cut just completely dumps all of that. There's a bunch of different plot lines added in. There's whole new characters. Yeah. It finally makes sense why King Kong pulls that one woman out of the. Uh, the train at the end. Yeah. And so like there's so, it just blew my mind. It, it's all very, um, 
and, and like yeah exactly there's there's little things like for uh one of the main characters whose um name is escaping me uh he at one point when they're trying to save that woman from Kong which i think is his is Kenji Sahara's girlfriend yes. who's his sister the other guy's sister anyway uh they're they're <laughs> The the main guy, he's like, go get my drums. And it's like, when did he get drums? And you're watching the American version, like, because, you know, they, they know that the drumming puts Kong to sleep. But he's sitting there drumming, and it's like, what does that have to do with anything? He's a professional drummer. Yep. He does it on his, uh, that's his job at the network he works for. And he's just like this face that they put in front of the camera. And uh, I just remember when they sh- showed that scene in the Japanese version, I was like, oh my god, that there's a through line there. Yeah, it, 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 it retroactively made the American cut much better because all the random stuff that just happens, you're like, oh, there's an actual narrative purpose for that. This is a well-designed movie, actually. I had no idea. Oh, Tadao Takashima, that's the guy's name. But yes, um... Yeah, no, I think it very quickly King Kong vs. Godzilla is becoming probably my favorite of the Showa series. Oh. It's just so freaking funny. I can't agree with that, but that's fair. Uh, it's because it's because I, I'm a big fan of fast-paced, rapid-fire humor and dialogue and character interaction. And because King Kong vs. Godzilla has so much of that, <coughs> it, it, it has... Um, sorry, one sec. It has... Uh, it has that whole thing going for it. It kind of has almost this Manzai-esque, again, that rapid fire back and forth, where if you, you have to watch it a couple of times to really pick up on yeah. all the wordplay and the uh, interaction going on. Well, that's fair. I just... I, I'm not one, telling you you have to tell... <laughs> there's one that we'll talk about in a bit that I have, I have a very fond memory of, and also fa- the monkey sure. people in Mechagodzilla. Oh, yeah, well, every one of these movies, I think, has a lot of merit to it, even when you get into the really chintzy stuff of the uh, of the late 70s, yeah. or the mid to late 70s. But one other thing I will say about King Kong vs. Godzilla that's very interesting... Okay, so the Japanese version is on the Extras DVD, yeah. uh, the Extras Blu-ray. I, to a point that... I found it accidentally because I got the set. I was like, I don't have time to watch a full movie. Right. And I put in the supplementals and was skimming through those and went, oh, cool. There's like a special feature on the different versions and why now? And then, oh, no, it's it's the movie. It's okay. the whole friggin' thing. <laughs> yeah. I remember being briefly furious that it was like <laughs> – that I was like, it's not on here. It's not on here. It's not on here. It's not on here. I'm like texting my friend Jared. I'm like, it's not on here, Jared! (laughs) And then he's like, dumbass, calm down and check the special features. So so what's very interesting is, uh, for a really long time, now this has since been rectified, which is what they're doing for those 4K releases. But for the longest time, a complete, uh, decent version, decent transfer of the original Japanese King Kong vs. Godzilla... Nobody knew where it was. Even in Japan. Even in Japan. I did not know that. Uh, the only decent transfers that existed, and the only decent like film stock transfer, uh, film stock versions that existed, were... I might be speaking out of school here, guys, so if anybody knows better, then please correct me. But as I've been told, the only versions that were easy to find were uh, the American version, and the version that is... <laughs> Best known as the Champion Matsuri version. Now, uh, this is deep lore Japanese I haven't nonsense. even heard of this version. So Champ- Champion Matsuri was, which means Champion Festival. There was, they were like film festivals, but mostly for kids that they would have. It was like a summer camp. In the words of, of um, in the words of David Callett, it's a summer camp for couch potatoes. Uh, it, it's <laughs> these kids, and it's the summertime would uh, go to these film festivals where they would show uh, anime and monster movies and superhero movies and Ultraman and Godzilla and all this stuff. So they would cut down the Godzilla films and put them out into these um, these sort of uh, festivals, and they would be like. Mostly monster stuff. Like, you cut out a lot of the... I I imagine it would be like, this hour and a half movie is now 45 minutes, and it's 10 minutes of plot and 30 minutes of Godzilla fighting. That's more or less what it is. You are on the money, man. But what's so interesting about the King Kong vs. Godzilla version is because, for a long time, the only version that was available with a decent transfer was that Champion Matsuri version. A lot of stuff was cut out. So if you watch... 
the version end to end, you can see. Thank you. Yes. Oh my god. Sometimes okay. it'll go to VHS transfers. Mid shot. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay. You can see yeah. where the edit is. It's the, fascinating. The, there's a bunch of shots where like mm-hmm. it starts out fuzzy, and then like ten seconds into the shot, it'll clear up all of a sudden. Some of them are they, from laser. They clearly got to like okay, here's the footage that we had that was on film stock. Now, they have, as I understand it, they have since found the original version, and they've clean, they're cleaning it up for the 4K release and everything. But yeah, that is staggering. It, it was weird to watch. It's actually kind of a fun game as you watch it. Like, yeah, it's like, oh, there it is. Oh, there oh it there's is. that. There's that. Take a shot every time. It switches <laughs> to Matsuri ver- footage. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, it is really a fascinating, like you said, it's a fascinating bit of history. And now that you know the context behind it, you know, it makes it a little more interesting yeah. and a little less confusing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, um, I'm trying to think of some of the other some of the other stuff we could say. Like, uh, I was a little worried that they weren't going to include uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, the 1956 version of the original. So I I need to attempt to rewatch that. Mm-hmm. I still have never watched that in its entirety. Really? So I so here's my iteration of Godzilla, which tough cookies of audience. You're gonna have to listen to my life story now. <laughs> uh, when I was like four or five, my parents showed me Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Nice, and good like, choice. I, I have I have very powerful memories of being in the back of their gray minivan on this little handheld TV running off of double A ba- or C uh, level batteries with a VHS copy of that movie, and that fundamentally changed me. No, and so nice. in college. I was like, you know what? I've never seen the original Godzilla movie. There was not a Japanese cut available at that time. No, not until 2004. And, like, I had managed to collect some Showa and, like, some Hisei movies, but those were all really bad dubs. Hmm. Um, yeah, but, that was back before they had dual language yeah, tracks. Yeah. Uh, and so I bought the Raymond Burke, you know, the Monsters movie, and I made it about 20 minutes in and was like... Fuck this movie. This is atrocious. Really? I hate it with a passion. Because I, I got offended uh, on the part of the filmmakers. Because, you know, it's they they cut out a bunch of the movie. They rearranged the plot. They dropped this random white guy in the middle to make him the main character. Raymond Burr. It, it's yay American handling foreign films in the 50s. You know? But, so, like, I, I need to give it another shot. N- now that I'm not a mid-twenties and passions <laughs> film geek who's yeah. angry at the drop of a hat. Of course. And and trust right. me, I get exactly what you're saying. Uh, my my dear friend Marcy uh, watched Gojira, the Japanese version, in her horror class, Japanese horror class, I think, uh, back when she was at UT getting an RTF major. And later, I showed her the American version, and she said... Partway through it, she was like, this is like watching a Japanese version, but every five minutes a white guy goes, what What happened? <laughs> <laughs> so, now, I would encourage you, it, 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 I would actually encourage you to maybe not jump into the f- pure American version just yet. Give the commentary version with David Cowell to watch first. Because okay. Cowell did commentaries for both films, for Gojira and K- King of the Monsters. And uh, King of the Monsters is a fascinating uh, uh, commentary. Even even if I don't like the idea of the movie, I think the history behind it is really cool. Like, yes. it's just not only the fact that America was stupid and not stupid, but ballsy enough to be like, we're going to improve this. We're going to throw a white guy in. But also just like that process, the filming that. Sure. The editing that. Like, like, that's really interesting to I, do that. I, so here's why I would really want you, I won't give it all away, but I will say one thing to keep in mind, and this is something that David goes into detail about, um, this was treated as a prestige production when it was being Americanized, because at the time, Japanese films were not treated like that. They were subtitled. And they were put in art house theaters. The most, as I, if I remember correctly, the highest grossing, the highest grossing Japanese film in America at that time was something like Rashomon. It was one of the samurai films. That would make sense. And it made maybe twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> so, because it was art house only, it was such a, it was American English subtitled, and subtitling was the cheap jack route. That's what you did if you were like, we're just going to put this out limited release. Okay. We're no, we know we're not going to make money on it. 
Godzilla, they saw that and they were like, we have to be very careful about this. And they took the... If you go back and you watch it, it takes itself fairly seriously. You know, obviously, they cut out a lot of the nuances of Japanese culture. They take out a lot of the post-war trauma. I feel like the the look and feel is still there. And throughout the rest of his career, Burr was very respectful of this that film. Well, he showed back up in The Return of Godzilla. In Godzilla 85, Godzilla yeah. 85, yeah. Yeah, he does show up in that version, and uh, originally, this is a little bit of a little insider info. It's not right. It's well documented. Uh, there's a... I'm, it's, I'm not special. Yeah, no, 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 uh, that's okay, Matt. I, I've, in, in talking with Chris about you, actually, I've come to realize that it's easy for us to forget that even myself, who doesn't hold a candle to you, is still knows 20 times more about this than your average person. This is true. So for us, well-documented is, holy shit, I never knew about that. Sure, <laughs> and you know what? It's totally fair. But <laughs> apparent, in the original, when Godzilla 1985, Return of Godzilla, as you said, was originally being edited and, and brought over to America, which I actually like the American version. I think that it's... It's actually a little snappier. Uh, the uh, the thing that was very telling was the American production studio was planning on making it into a comedy. <laughs> and I mean, like, borderline... <laughs> borderline What's Up, Tiger Lily? Like, like, I have to admit, out of all the Godzilla films, that's probably the one, aside from All Monsters Attack, that I've seen the least... Oh, yeah. Uh, but even I know that that's ridiculous. It's not a great plan. <laughs> no. Well, they were planning on cutting in a bunch of stuff. They were going to make a way bigger deal out of the Dr. Pepper tie-in. Like, it was going to be like, they were going to get goofy with it. They brought in Burr, and he's like, you're not doing that. <laughs> what? You're not doing that. It's a serious film. It's about, it's a serious subject and a serious film, and the monster should be, and the characters and the legacy should be treated with respect. And so, that was just very telling that Burr had so much respect for Godzilla as an icon and a franchise. All right, I'll go watch the American versions. <laughs> watch it with the commentary uh, I'll, track. I'll, I'll, well, and you and we'll report back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do... I'll watch the Japanese version, which I need to rewatch anyways, because oh, yeah. I've been showing my son all the Showa ones, and I've been very specifically avoiding like a few of the Hisei movies. Uh, How old's your son? Uh, he's about four. Yeah, it's pretty young. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, like some are okay, uh, most aren't. <laughs> uh, when you get into the Showa movies, it, it's it's a like he really likes Godzilla versus Megalon. He really likes oh, Godzilla yeah. versus Gigan. Which, um, by the way, Megalon has a hell of a transfer yeah. on this. I think the colors are amazing uh, in it. He he loves Mothra. Ah, it's a resplendent he, lady! Oh, oh dude, uh, I showed him the Rebirth of Mothra movies, and... They're so fun. When, when Caterpillar Mothra gets attacked by Ghidorah in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, he broke down into tears. No! And, uh, like, started screaming. No, I Mothra! Felt, I felt so bad, and I was like, do you want me to stop it? He was like, no! No, I have to know what happened! You touch that, I'll cut you, Dad! <laughs> and he did the same thing in um, the Mothra movie when the military tried to burn the cocoon. He oh, yeah. Screaming. So my son apparently really adores Mothra. It's his favorite monster. Good. I'm really, I'm happy to hear that. We need more, we need more boys who are in the cult of Mothra. Yeah. Um, cause I've introduced, I've introduced a couple of friends to Godzilla in the last few years and uh, most of them being ladies and they are just locked in on Mothra. Well, I, I have to admit Mothra's solo adventure, like her original Ishiro Honda one. Oh yeah. Eh, I'm okay on. Really? It, it, it's, it's a, it's a little slow for me. Um, it, it does take a while for Mothra to show but, up. Every other, like, like every time Mothra shows up in a Godzilla film, they're one of my favorites, and I, I just flat out adore the Rebirth of Mothra movies. What an interesting perspective to have. Yeah. No, no, I, I like it. I'm just, I we recently we went to a uh, an Alamo Draft House screening of the original Mothra that was up up north at the Lake Creek location, and. Uh, I don't know, man. I love the hell out of that movie. I think that it's funny. I, I, I'm surprised always how I'm always surprised at how funny it is. It, it, my issue with it is just that it's it's a little slow. It takes a little long to get there, and it's the one where 
I acknowledge that it's not necessarily the movie. It It's because it was filmed at the time, the way it was filmed, that makes perfect sense for the context of it. But as a modern person, hmm. it, it's definitely, a, it drags a little bit to me. And it's kind of a King Kong movie. <laughs> it's kind of, well, that's kind of what I like about it, is but, that it's this kind of reverse on King Kong. It's but, this, uh... But like, like, once Mothra actually shows up, I enjoy it. Uh, I'm into it. I, I, I personally really, I, again, I really like the actors. I think that uh, Jerry Ito playing the villain is he is good. He is so good. And um, I'm I'm blanking on the hero, the main characters. Uh, he's well, I mean, it's an ensemble film, but he's more or less the main character. He's the um, the slightly more heavy set guy who's the wasn't he a comedian? He was a comedian. Yeah. That's right. He's uh there's also a, that's a great release from Mill Creek I believe. They have a heart uh, they have the um steelbook that just came out. That's the reason why I know and I did that for digital noise. Oh nice. And, okay. And it, it was one of Chris slowly starting to realize I'm obsessed with these movies. Ha! Nice. Between this and King of the Monsters where I think I talked about that movie for like 20 minutes straight. <laughs> um, but yeah, we are ostensibly here to talk about Godzilla though. I was going to say um, yeah, we we're, we're getting we're getting <laughs> off track, but but that's the thing about these movies is that they are really are the basis of this whole franchise well, and, and really the genre as a whole. And what I keep forgetting, uh, and, and it always hits me when I go back and rewatch them, is how, I don't want to say kooky, but how balls out sci-fi they are. Oh, yeah. Like, it builds a really confident science fiction universe. There's aliens, multiple aliens. There's robots. There's pan-dimensional travel. There's <laughs> people under Easter Island. There's the Atlanteans. Like, just... And it does it in a very casual way where they're just like, and destroy all monsters. There's the point where they cut to it. They're just like, yeah, you know, this is the base where we launch ships to the moon for our moon base. <laughs> it's and, the future of 1999. Know, and then they just kind of keep going and it takes you a second to be like, oh, oh like, yeah, we're in a world where moon travel is casual. Okay, cool, cool. Daily flights it. to the moon. You know? I love it. It's just, and that's, I think that really speaks to um, a, a theme about these films that, I don't think that Americans really, I think that a lot of American audiences really should be internalizing, which is they're actually very pro-science movies. Yes, they are. There's a lot of like hewing and hawing about the bomb, which is totally understandable. I went to the Hiroshima Museum uh, fairly recently, and uh, that was a rough experience, I, let I me tell you. I can imagine so. I... Oof. Had a, Matt had to sit down for a <laughs> while, let's just say. Um, but uh, for a lot of the other films, it really is about... Science is a, it's a neutral tool, but in the right hands, it's a, it's, it's the thing that will change the world. Well, they, and, and that was a big belief of Honda and Tsuburaya. They were both big pro-science guys. They rarely do, in all the Godzilla movies, and this includes the Heisei era, they all, I, I can't think of many instances of them doing scientist creates a monster and monster runs amok, which yep. is kind of the standard. Instead, it's always science that's helping us. They're also very pro-environmental, which is, oh, yeah. I love it. Like, it, it's fun to watch this as an adult and pick up how fiercely political all of these movies are. That Thank you. never realized as a kid. Thank you. That's something that I have been arguing with people fervently about yeah. recently, was that there's so many people who don't want to talk about the political undertones of Godzilla, or overtones, really. Yeah, no, no, there, it's, it's, it's text. It's not uh, something. It's, not so it's like, text. Like Godzilla versus Hedorah. Oh my god. That, that a, is the most staunchly environmentally focused movie I've ever seen. I mean, I, I have a friend, my buddy Jared, he made a poster of, uh, it was a Save the Earth smog monster poster, and he wrote Support the Green New Deal underneath it. And, uh, Regardless of what your feelings on the Green New Deal are, I feel like it's it's still in line with that sentiment. Yeah. Uh, and but but I, I I remembered for the most part people responded very positively to it, but there were a couple of people who were like, "Don't <coughs> don't politicize Godzilla." And I'm looking at this uh, this write up by Ed Godzicheski for the Smog Monster for Godzilla versus Hedera. That's like. Pollution in Japan had reached crisis levels in the post-war period, and it's talking about how there was a, um, there was an, uh, 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 in the city of Minamata, on the west coast of the island Kyushu, had recently become infamous for Minamata disease, after the government admitted that mercury dumped by a chemical factory into local water had been responsible for dozens of mysterious deaths since the mid-50s. Yeah, well, how about just the fact that 
like the first Godzilla movie ever, <clears throat> Gojira, they talk about in his write up how <coughs> yes, it's related to World War Two. Like, like that is a very big part of it. But what really spawned the movie was uh, a disaster that happened after that, right? Where a Japanese it was a fishing boat. Fishing boat. Yeah, it was a little, it was a little privately owned something boat. out of the water. Yeah, uh, but they got too close to American nuclear testing, and they all got radiation sickness. Mm-hmm. That was like, the Operation Bravo experiment so in like, 1954. I, uh, this is my 10-second soapbox, which is... Sorry, man. Like, like, I, it drives me crazy how the American audience seems to think that if a movie has a political stance, it's bad. Like One of the things I love about the Godzilla franchise is, barring a couple of notable exceptions, mainly in the Millennium Era... <laughs> um, they are all staunchly aggressive about what their ideology is. Like, even if you don't agree with it, it's still a part of it. It's still part of their point of view and what the narrative is trying to push. Right. I mean, my favorite Godzilla movie is GMK, Giant Monsters yes. All Out Attack, because it, it is a, not only is it a political, like, politically charged Godzilla film, it is, it actually addresses the concept of Japanese war crimes, which is yeah. something that, I don't think a modern Godzilla movie could get away with. It's such a taboo subject. And, uh, I mean, I mean, but you look at Shin Godzilla, Shin Godzilla is dripping with politics. Oh, dude, I, I, I had a friend who saw Shin Godzilla and he told me he hated it. Uh-huh. And, and I was like, wait, 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 re- rewind. Why? Yeah. And, and it was, it ended up ultimately that he wanted an ex- a big, dumb, exploding movie. He wanted King and, of the Monsters 2019. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> Let me school you on why this is actually one of the best movies. Nice, <laughs> like, very nice. It, it was that uh, that scene you always see in comedy movies where the angry girlfriend has like a ten page text. That was my text to him about Shin Godzilla uh-huh. explaining the political ramifications and how this is a reference to this real world event and this is a reference to this. And well, yeah, and and I mean, you know, you can look back on the earlier films uh, as well. Like, uh, good on you for sticking to your guns on that. By the way. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, you, if you, I firmly believe that you can get a sense, a pulse of the socioeconomic status of Japan, just depending on which Godzilla movie you watch. Like, yeah, like, uh, original Godzilla is definitely, um, uh, it's, it's nuclear testing, it's post-war Japan, (laughs) reconstruction period, um, Godzilla raids again, eh. That's a little more about the everyman kind of caught in between um, great f- fighting powers and, and that's stuff. Honestly, the movie I f- I forget about most often. I do too because it's probably my it, least favorite Godzilla it's just, movie. It's it's a monster movie kind of thing. And, it is, and, and it also takes place right after Gojira, where we have very high expectations. Yeah, it, this is the definition of a quickie sequel. Yeah. Like it was made a year after on like half the budget, and. Uh, it's not even directed by Honda. It's no, directed I, by I don't think Honda, Motoyoshi Oda. I don't think Honda came back till King Kong. Well, like, like he stepped away for a couple of movies, right? Um, actually, well, okay. So Godzilla Raids again is actually it goes right into Godzilla to King Kong versus Godzilla. Okay. but you have to remember that between those two, that's uh, it's like a. I want to say like seven years, eight I, years. I, I could be conflating time, but I, my memory was was that he did Gojira, mm-hmm. and then he walked away and did like Rodan. He did Mothra. Mothra. He did a bunch of other science fiction films, yep. which I may or may not have found recently and got about. Nice. And then he came back and did like a stream of a bunch of Godzilla. Movies. Yeah, that's basically you, you're you're right on the money. He he came back and he did King Kong versus Godzilla. He did Mothra. He did uh, Mothra versus Godzilla. He did Ghidorah. He did Astro Monster. He did not do... I'm betting all the way up until Gigan. He actually did not do uh, Ebera. He did not okay. do Sea Monster. That was Jun Fukuda. It was really split between... And in, in the days of the Showa, it was really split between Honda and Fukuda. Fukuda did Ebera. He did Son of Godzilla. Honda did Destroy All Monsters. Fukuda... No, Honda did uh, Godzilla's Revenge. He did All Monsters Attack. Okay. Which is why that movie... Really? That movie... I feel uh, really gets a short end of the stick because it's so weird well, and it's it, so childish. It, it's it's a stock it's a stock footage movie, and so right. that pisses off a lot of people. It's it's because we are adults and we don't always realize that this movie wasn't made for us. This was made for five, six, seven year old kids mm-hmm. who 
just want to see the monsters fight and want to see a story about what they're dealing with. Like, it's it's not meant for you and I. It, it's surprisingly poignant as a film because I feel like it, this is Honda when he's in his kind of Kurosawa mode. Because, I mean, as I've said many times in the show, Honda co-directed and did second unit directing for a qu- quite a few of Kurosawa's movies. Really? They worked together a lot. They were like... They were really close friends. I actually did not know that I'm a huge Kurosawa fan. Oh, yeah. Kurosawa is... There's one of my favorite stories. Um, I don't remember which commentary track I heard it on, but uh, Kurosawa and Honda like to use a lot of the same films. And... uh, uh, Sorry, they use a lot of the same actors. Okay. And um, a couple of times... um, And a couple of times, uh, they would... uh, for example, if an actor was not available, Kurosawa would go make a fuss until he got that actor. <laughs> but uh, once or twice, uh, Kurosawa would go to an actor and say, like, hey, I need you for this project. And the actor would say, oh, I can't. I'm working on a project for Honda. And he would say, oh, if it's Honda, it must be good. <laughs> so Kurosawa liked this stuff. In fact, there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not Kurosawa had any interest in directing a Godzilla movie. But uh, I have a feeling that if he were... It would probably be something similar to Godzilla's Revenge because it's so. Well, maybe that's not entirely true. Uh, no, if Kurosawa made one, I I feel like it would be one of the more human focused ones. It would be a lot more personable. There would definitely be monster stuff in it, but it it's it wouldn't be the focus like it like it is sometimes. Yeah, I, I have a feeling that. Uh, because that's the thing about Godzilla's Revenge is that it really it is the most Honda uh, in uh, conception because Honda was a, a humanist. He was a pacifist. He was a humanist. He really his <coughs> big um, passion was actually personal humanist human interest stories. Like he made a movie about pearl divers, which if you if you guys watch the Legends of Tomorrow episode where they go meet Honda. These opening, the opening scene where we enter the audience is introduced to Honda is him, him filming a scene about Pearl Divers. Jesus, I didn't, you're going to make me have to go watch some Legends of Tomorrow again. I just gave <laughs> up that whole, oh. all that Berlanti stuff. I just stopped watching it. Oh, that, geez. that sounds interesting. That episode is really good, actually. It's a really interesting, um, it's a really interesting, like, it, it obviously, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a time travel show. It's not going to get history exactly right. Oh, they, they never care about that either. They're right. doing the Doctor Who thing. But it's very respectful of Honda's legacy, uh, <laughs> even though they kind of combine Honda and Tsuburaya into one character. But uh, So would you say that Hedera is your favorite? Uh, so... No, let's let's go into our favorites. All right. So so first of all, I want to say that there is a difference between best and favorite. Fair um, enough. My favorite is either going to be Hedera or Ibira. Ooh, um, good choice. I both, love Ibira. B- because both of those were ones that were very instrumental in my youth. I mm-hmm. watched them a ton as a kid. Uh, those two, and then the terror of Mechagodzilla with the monkey aliens. <laughs> those were the ones that I grew up on uh, and, and got me into both film and Godzilla itself. That's Interestingly awesome. enough, my parents showed me those movies and Akira Kurosawa films. Nice. So, so I, I, I was recently giving a presentation at work about this stuff, and I realized partway through that I had a very different childhood than a lot of people. <laughs> Man, that's that's fantastic, dude. I, I would say that Sea Monster is pretty high on my list because that was the first Godzilla movie I ever got on VHS, and it was the first one I ever watched like end to end and really paid attention. Because up to that point, you know, you catch them on TV or something, and you'd only be watching for a little bit. I'd be, like, playing with my toys or something, because I just get so jazzed. But Sea Monster was the one that I sat down and I watched, and I remember very specifically, there's a moment when Godzilla comes out of the mountain. It's the first time he really shows, he really comes out in the movie. And he, when you hear him scream for the first time, I'm like... I didn't know he had like a distinctive cry. I didn't oh, know he had a distinctive that was sound. When you first realized that was when I first realized. Oh, that that was the first time I ever like put that together. So I was like, "Whoa, that's really cool!" And what an interesting, weird Godzilla movie to be kind of your first yeah. because it was originally a Kong movie. I, I know. Well, yeah, he. No, I'm thinking of another one where he has electrical powers because that's King Kong the, versus the, Godzilla. They were originally thinking of it being Kong and then change it to Godzilla. I was thinking. Am I thinking of like Terror of Mechagodzilla? Uh, no, no, no. You're you're 
Am you're I on the right track. Stories? No, you're you're on the right track. I'm trying to parse it out in my head. So we'll go through this, and then we'll probably wrap it up because yeah. uh, we've been at this for almost an hour. Um, <clears throat> so you have um, you have the original King Kong with uh, more or less. Well, I mean, it wasn't made specifically by Willis O'Brien, but O'Brien did the effects, and he really pioneered uh, the look of that film and the and really the effects of uh, stop motion animation. But um, he came up with a lot of different concepts for films that never really made it off the ground because at the time, stop-motion animation is a very expensive, time-consuming sure. process. So uh, he would make up concepts for films and then uh, would wind up selling them just so he could stay afloat, essentially. It's very sad, actually, the way O'Brien was treated by the industry. Uh, oh, Hollywood in the 30s wasn't fun. No, it wasn't. Even into the 40s, and f- even even in the 40s and 50s, when Harryhausen came along and really kind of took the uh, mantle from O'Brien. Yeah. But in the 50s uh, into the 60s, uh, O'Brien had this concept called Frankenstein versus King Kong, and it was going to be stop motion animated. And the idea was that I think a descendant of Frankenstein was huh. going to create a giant. A, a monster made out of different animal parts. Which, that actually sounds kind of fun. It's kind of fun. It's like this big chimera creature. The concept is much more simple, though. It's like, I can't really tell what creature it's supposed to be, because it almost looks more like a hairless ape, but it has big, like, elephant feet. It's really weird. Wait, are you talking about the the War of the Gargantuas? No, 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 but we're getting to that. Uh, we're coming around to War of the Gargantuas, so... Unfortunately, again, O'Brien couldn't get it funded, so he sold the concept to another producer whose name is escaping me, but then he turned it around and sold that to Toho. And Toho said, in the words of David Callot, forget Frankenstein, let's have Kong go at it with Godzilla. And so that was how we got King Kong versus Godzilla. But then uh, they took the core idea of Frankenstein and adapted it into Frankenstein Conquers the World, which is another one of my favorites. Yeah, uh, I have that, but haven't seen it along <sighs> with that and King Kong Lives. I've had had them for is King Kong Lives where he fights Mecha Kong. Oh no, it's King Kong Escapes. King, King Kong, Kong Escapes. Lives is the one from the eighties. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 that's with the, the Lady Kong. American one. Um, yes, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've I've. I've had those in my collection for like three years now. I bet and you. And I've just like looked at it and went like, I should start this, but I have like 10 other things I have to watch. I bet your son would love those because uh, Frankenstein Conquers the World is one of my favorites because it's just got such a wild variety of techniques used to bring it to life. It's got Nick Adams in it, yeah. who's also from Monster Zero. It's got Kumi Mizuno, who's like the true femme fatale of Japanese Showa cinema. Um, she was the same actress who plays the alien chick from Monster Zero. Okay. Also opposite Nick Adams. Yeah. Uh, so, um, anyway, Frank, from Frankenstein Conquers the World, that film got a sequel a few years later, which was War of the Gargantuas. Although by that point, they had, uh, they cut a lot of the ties with the Frankenstein movie because enough time had passed where people wouldn't have, a lot of people probably wouldn't have seen it yeah. who were going to see War of the Gargantuas. Anyway, um... And that's sort of how we got this this whole Kong, Frankenstein, Godzilla, menage a trois, yeah, of uh, in in Toho. But uh, they reused Kong in King Kong Escapes, and then they were going to do another Kong joint called <laughs> I shit you not Operation Robinson Crusoe, <laughs> King Kong, big duel in the South Seas or something. Which then uh, they eventually were like, ah, let's just use Godzilla. So, but they didn't really change the script. They just took Kong out and plopped Godzilla in. Yeah. So, which is why there's a few beats in the movie that feel very Kong-esque. So, uh, with the lightning and everything. Yeah. And then there's, again, Kumi Mizuno is playing this Islander chick, this Mothra Island chick. Who, which is uh, clearly Kong-inspired. Of of course. Yeah. It's, it's all very... Uh, it's all very complicated and delightful, and I highly recommend this set. Dude, I, I yes, d- definitely. I, I would highly recommend it for anyone out there. The only thing that needs to happen now is Criterion needs to put out a Heisei era set. I, which have not been as influential, but I still, those were the ones that I watched as as a sentient human being when <laughs> I was like a teen and in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's taken me a long time to appreciate the show of Godzilla movies as more than just silly kids movies. Uh-huh. Uh, so I just I want, I want more Godzilla. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, you can currently get them on, 
You can get almost the whole Heisei and Millennium series on Blu-ray from okay. Sony. And then they have English and Japanese. They do, which good for them. Uh, unfortunately, the one that is... The, the, there's two that are not readily available, which are Return of Godzilla and, and Godzilla vs. Biollante. Which is the best. Godzilla vs. Biollante is absolutely, I think, the best of at least the Heisei series. All right, I, I don't want to go too far afield, but just to throw it out there. Uh-huh. Biolante is flat out my favorite Godzilla monster. Nice. And it is the one that it continuously aggravates me that with how many times we see games and books with by the way with the different monsters thrown all around it there and how many repeats we've had with like Mecha Godzilla and Ghidorah yep. over and over and it's over. It's always going to be the big five. And one another Biolante movie. I, I've I've had friends who have come up with some pretty interesting ways to bring Biolante back. So Biolante's the good guy. She is. She's a kind of a complicated character, yeah. and the film is a little obtuse. But you know what? We're not going to get into Biolante yeah, sorry, right now. Sorry. sorry. No, <laughs> I, I I feel like this this hasn't really just been so much a review of the set as it has been you and me just being like, what do you know about Godzilla? What do you know about Godzilla? So yeah. Yeah, the, the set's good. The transfers are, for the most part, good. Although, apparently, there's going to be some Japanese ones coming out later. The special features are pretty cool. Watch Godzilla vs. King Kong, the Japanese cut. Mm. It is night and day. Phenomenally a different movie. Uh, that one might be... Uh, next to Mothra vs. Godzilla, it's probably my favorite of the Showa okay. series. Um, I, I absolutely agree. Um, it, it is unfortunate about... The, the transfers are watchable. They're not great. But they're watchable. Well, like... It, no matter what, they're not going to. We're probably never going to get these 4K Godzilla from the previous ones, and, mm-hmm. and still, they are movies that are decades old, and so like, there's always so good they're ultimately going to look like. Although I'm really excited about 4K now. Yeah, I mean, who knows if we'll ever get those? But uh, yeah, the, the the other special features are really good. There's a couple of really nice. Um, what are you looking at? The, the, <laughs> this yeah, cat, cat is sitting here. I giving me giving me the side eye. The, um, there's a great uh, in the special supplementals. There's a interview with the guy who played Jet Jaguar. Yeah, which, which I was like, you guys found him? Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit! Because so many of these guys, like so many of these Japanese actors, especially, aren't even aware that people know who they are. Well, and then there's another guy who was um, he. Play oh I'm blanking on where he started, but he started in Godzilla and was a bit part like, like he was the bad guy monster in a couple of the, oh he was he was ben, Ultraman he was Ben Faria yeah yeah I met Faria a couple times he's a super oh, sweet guy sharp sharp dresser well I helped him uh, <laughs> you know a little humble brag I helped him get into some cons here in the states there so um, that being said uh, yeah there's also this protracted interview with uh, Ishiro Honda which is well worth your time. It's uh one of the last it's one of the last <clears throat> uh interviews he did before his death. Uh and he's being interviewed by Yoshimitsubano, who yeah. is the director of Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster, who was told he would never make a Godzilla movie again by Tomiyuki Tanaka. Well, wasn't he the one who was directly responsible for the 2014 Godzilla movie? It's funny how that works, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> Which so th- thank you. <laughs> oh sure, you got <laughs> it. You got, I mean th- I mean it's uh you know, it, it's. I think it's really good for collectors. I, obviously, people are going to have issues with it because we're fans. We always do. Yeah. But I think you're not really going to get anything better for a long time. Yeah, I, I would agree. Especially for that King Kong versus Godzilla because it's going to be the first and probably one of the only times we're ever going to... It says... It even says in the credits... Let me pull it out again real quick. It says... Um, what is it? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, under exclusive license from Universal Pictures Home Entertainment. That is the only way they got King Kong versus Godzilla. So, uh, any parting thoughts, Aaron? Uh, if you're going to buy this, which you should, you need to make sure that you have a special spot for it wherever you put your uh, uh, countertop books. It will not fit in your shelves. Mm-hmm. It has amazing artwork. Buy this. Godzilla's amazing, man. What kind of rating would you give it? Oh, God damn it. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, let me be impartial. All right, uh, and not just go ten out of ten. Sure, it's a fucking ten. Yeah, um, I think emotionally it's a ten. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> honestly, like I, I would give it a four out of five. Uh, the only has the only pullback I have is really just not having those English tracks. Like, like, like that is a bummer. <laughs> 
that's more than a nitpick. That is something that with as as in-depth as Criterion usually goes, uh, it I feel like it should, I put that in quotes, should have been there. And it's one of those where I almost wish Criterion hadn't needed to make this their Spine 1000 so they could have taken the time to build out a proper set. But but I don't know enough about the back end. Right, but there's there's always other factors, factors going in. Sure, of course. <clears throat> And I mean, yeah. I, I have them with English dubs, so I can still watch almost all of them or show them to my son, really, is what it's about. But it's still a glorious set that's it's better than I ever expected to get. I, I actually will echo that. I feel like every time there's a really lavish Godzilla set that comes out, it's like a gift from God. Yeah. Because you're just... There's just this this franchise has had so much working against it for so long, and the fact that we finally have this nice, expansive set is really, it really, it does my heart good. Yeah. And I've talked to so many young people, even though I have issues with King of the Monsters. The thing that I take away from it is that is that a lot of young people are watching it and getting into Godzilla. Well, and- now we get to be old guys who are like, you don't know how flipping hard we had. Oh, it, yeah. Man. We had to pay $300 for our copy of it, and it took us two years to find it. I mean, in a <laughs> nutshell, yeah, that's that's where it always comes down to. I had, I had a giant collection of bootleg VHSs when I was a kid that I would order from Video Daikaiju, <laughs> and uh, it was the best. But, you know, that's just – now it's easier than ever to see these films. And um, I'm going to give this – I'm going to give this a solid 8.5 out of 10 uh, Kumi Mizuno appearances. Uh, that's another deep cut for you kids out there. Um, uh, uh, times uh, 8.5 out of 10 times I didn't realize Kumi Mizuno was playing a character because she's <laughs> so good. She's like this chameleon. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I only docking points really for the English versions. Um my own personal nitpicks about them, you know, not using the correct version of Godzilla. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, just... And the fact that the the transfers are kind of these old transfers that they weren't really they weren't really able to do as much with it as they wanted. But you know what? It works. I think that's all. That's all we got. So, uh, yeah. I You know what? I, I, I like this. Let's do more. Woo-woo. You want to talk about Ultraman? Yes. All right. Let's do it. 